Hello and welcome to the Solution Focus Toolkit, where we break down the Solution Focus model into its component parts and help you reassemble it in a way that is effective in your work environment. I'm Michael Dawson from the Action Factory Training, and we're here every Monday to look at the world through a Solution Focus lens and to remind you that if you're in the people business, you have the greatest job in the world helping to improve people's lives. This week, um, I want to thank you for being there. As promised, we will discuss what is the very, very core concept of solution-focused therapy, and um, that is, of course, the miracle question. But remember, as we always say, a solution-focused approach doesn't copy and paste into the workplace. So that being said, the same applies to all of the solution-focused concepts. And the primary concept is right there, it's the miracle question. And this is central to solution-focused work, and it's the place where we can start the conversation with the imagined future. From that, a scenario where things are better. In fact, I always felt we were off the ground once this question was asked. However, it has a couple of problems in itself. Firstly, it can be difficult for new people in a therapist situation and it can be quite uncomfortable at first. It has to be ex executed. It has to be owned, as they say, in acting circles. Um, it has to be spoken with confidence and clarity and in, and in some very emotional circumstances. And secondly, there's the therapist's confidence in dealing with those odd answers that you might get. So as I explain in the training that we do, those fears are mostly unfounded. And the second problem is when it's taken out of context and out of a therapy room, which is what we're asking you to do as solution-focused workers. Um, so let me give you an example and walk through this with me. For the sake of uh, a working practice and my own experience, I'll choose a residential setting. So you can imagine that this may be your own client group if you wish. Um, so, as we often do, I'm maybe hanging around with youngsters at a youth club or whatever, perhaps in the kitchen cooking uh, at a residential home when a young person may share an issue. And it's, say, about drug use and she wants to stop using as much. And we may chat a little. And I say, if you were to leave here today and go home and go to bed, and whilst you were sleeping, a miracle happens. And the reason you were here today goes away. But you couldn't know because you're sleeping and you go through your day. I'd like you to tell me what would be different. So this statement, despite me just returning from a week of solution focused training with the Action Factory, or some really cool consultants, it sounds kind of out of character. It doesn't fit my persona. So um, it's not delivered with any real commitment or ownership. So you can see how taking this solution-focused idea back to work might bring some doubts. And if this is the core of solution-focused work, then the doubts might set in. Uh, maybe I might be better being myself, perhaps even offering some advice or support, even after a few days of that fantastic motivational um, training with that amazing consultant. So, but let's rewind a little bit. And if you did any training with me over the years, then you'll remember me telling you stories about how miraculous this technique is. 
And you'll remember my stories of clients who were kind of lost in its magic, right there in front of the people that they were conflicting with. And I can tell you right now that everything I've seen and done with this technique is gospel truth. So what kind of gives here with this? Well, in a therapy room, it's as if I can get away with these odd questions and the clients will go along with it. And secondly, you don't know me, so I have no gauge kind of on your persona or you on mine. This is not really true if you are in a solution-focused work situation, you know. For most frontline workers, this version is unlikely to work in any casual conversation. And in the training and the following exercise, we need to break down the fabric of the question and give you a chance to design your own version. And we've already agreed in earlier sessions and podcasts that dependent on our working environment, the problems facing our client group tend to rotate around common themes. Now, whether that be youths with problem parents and teachers, drug use, peer pressure, bullying, maybe senior citizens with a different set of issues to deal with. So that being said, we need to break down this miracle question and we need to put it back together in a way that works for you naturally whilst keeping its core principles. So what's this question really asking? For me, in its simplest form, it's an opportunity to design an imagined future without the issue that's bothering the client. It asks, how do you see the solution? What will be different? What could you reasonably or unreasonably want or expect from the future? Then it will offer a base for a conversation and an opportunity to bring that imagined future to the forefront. Okay, so when adding deeper questioning, then it lifts the mood, it lifts the tone and it creates an imagined future. It's wonderful in a therapy room. And it is wonderful in a working environment. I know that because I've used it in all of those different environments. So, you know, I go to France quite a lot and I really hate boats. (laughs) It's a long story and I'll maybe tell you one day, but it involves a ghost from Salford and three crazy kids. So that's all I'm going to tell you. So occasionally I've arrived at the ferry. I've grabbed some food, gone to the cabin. It's an eight nine hour journey and I have passed out in the cabin only to be woken hours later at my destination and when this happens it's wonderful it's like I never had to face the obstacles and worries along the way in the same way this is what I think the solution focused question is kind of doing for your client so it it enables the client in the same way to leapfrog any obstacles that might be perceived and clear them from the conversation So in a fantasy world, there are no obstacles. In fact, they just kind of woke up. Like running a race, falling asleep, and you're at the finish line. And there was no reason to stop and discuss the obstacles because we slept through them. We're only discussing the destination. That's immensely powerful. So in our training, we have an exercise that helps us to write our own medical question and place it in our professional holster as I like to call it it's kind of there it's it, it's loaded and it's ready to go and it really fits us it's perfect and at the sight of an issue where it could work we can quickly draw our own medical question or questions at will so considerations as you 
develop your own as a group or individually. So what I'm asking you to do is, bearing in mind what I'm saying, you really would have your version of a miracle question ready to draw, if you like. <laughs> so consider the following. Okay, what's the tone and environment you work in? A social worker's office, a youth club, very different feel to those places. How chaotic or formal or informal are the conversations? That's really important to consider when you think of putting together a version of the medical question that you can use at work. What's the age group? Okay, do you work with teens or older senior citizens? Younger children are more open to miracles and magical ideas. Older people perhaps are more drawn to the past and how things used to be. And um, I've got a few kind of samples or ideas I can come up with a little bit later. So what about the actual issues? You know, are the issues generally transient here today, gone tomorrow? Or are they deep rooted and ongoing? Sometimes, you know, what's an issue to you may not be to the client. And if so, do you need to look for an issue or a problem? Do you need to see a problem that they don't? Another thing to consider might be there is no problem at all. And you can just use miracle and future orientated talk to motivate and share opinions. Stories that you can build that are solution focused, such as footballers and people that grab the interest of the people that you're dealing with, perhaps offering money to charities and that kind of thing. Um, that's an example I use quite often. So use any mental props that you've got available. And that includes perhaps TV, film, news, stories of your own. I used to tell uh, a, a true story uh, about a guy who scored amazing results on his tests. Uh, and it was, a, it was the United States version of the SAT test. But as far as I'm aware, I'm kind of paraphrasing the story. But he, he got an amazing result. And he, he was really, really pleased. He was joined to the end of school. And from that point onwards, he really studied a lot harder. He had really high expectations of himself. In fact, he became a very, very successful entrepreneur. And at some point, he received a letter some years later. And after an audit, uh, they were apologising and saying that the marks he'd got were reported wrong. And he had got nowhere near <laughs> as good marks as he thought. And those are the kinds of solution-focused stories that you can then ask those questions of your client. So all things considered, you may head in this direction um, in, in creating your own question. But of course, mine will never be as good as yours because you know your environment and clients. But remember to work within the client's frame of reference. So for example, and these, as I say, will not be great, but... If you've made some notes in the podcast or you've got our PDFs that go with it, you start putting some notes, you really start to form stuff in your mind because you see that these these issues that you deal with are fairly, fairly uh, consistent. So, you know, poor performing students might be asked, similar to what I've just said in that story, well, you know, what if whatever you did in a test, you got 100%, you know. Um, can you imagine if no matter what you wrote or if you wrote nothing, you got 100%. You know, all, all of these kind of scenarios that you try and introduce. Perhaps in a nursing way, um, you may be dealing with clients who could be fairly negative about their uh, position. And, you know, tell me about the days when you were at your peak, your younger days, the days when you cycled, the days when you run, all those kinds of things. 
and I can tell you about research uh, with uh, older people that has has some incredible results but that's for another day but again talking about those younger times just takes you back there social workers you know may want to talk about tv and film what's your idea of the perfect family you know are you able or are they seeing their expectations pretty much skewed by tv and film or is that a way of them being able to tell you where they're going for that perfect day so remember and as we'll discuss in future uh, episodes this is uh, this is not training this is our opening conversation so what you need to do is then begin probing once you've used your uh, medical question but of course that's for another day please remember use the points i've made in and if you've got any interest sit down somewhere when you get a chance maybe later in the week or today and just put look at those points that i've mentioned and what you need to do is pull together one or more uh, of your own medical questions as your ammunition consider these points so in summary um tone and environment that you work in the appropriate age group what are the issues are they deep are they transient are there no issues don't have to be and if there's no problem so what it doesn't matter it's not your problem anyway as you know if you've done our training not that you know you are not the expert in that room neither am i as a therapist so um, the expert is the client and it's your job to be the curious inquisitor to inquire and probe okay so that's an overview of the medical question and how we can start to shape it for you and that's it for this week i hope i've given you a glimpse of uh, the medical question taking it out of its box and help it put it into your work environment in a way works for you and next week i want to go a little bit deeper about how we can use the responses that we get to those uh questions so thanks for listening um finally of course as promised last week i thought it'd be a good idea than taking full episodes if we did get questions to maybe throw those questions into the end of the episode so i've got one here from andrew and he was saying that um, in his work he works with resistive families so how can he be positive in a scenario where he's working with resistive families resistive people very very common this something that i um, came up against a lot and i often say when we do our training that i find i've always found that the solution focused approach can be very very mischievous it's kind of sometimes even childish and I, and I love playing around with that because it plays around with our frame of reference plays around with your client's frame of reference so you've got a client in front of you who is resisting uh, i used to have teenagers who would be looking at the floor i didn't want to come here anyway and you know da, da, da. well they were there and my my first real kind of question would be you know you didn't kind of get brought in who made who, why are you here you you had free will and choice you know and so more often than not yeah well i had to come didn't i because my mum my teacher or a social worker or a court order or whatever it was so now we are finding some motivation that brought them here so now i'm starting to ask the question okay well what is it then that you think your social worker would like to see that is reasonable what what do you think the court order demands of you 
and how would we uh, respond to that? What is it that they want and why would they want that? And then, of course, it's you can move that on to whether they, those are a, a good thing or a bad thing. If your social worker got what they wanted, then would things be better for you? Even if it was just appeasing them. But remember, your client, Andrew, is uh, has not been dragged in by physical force. And, and in, in any scenario, it always depends where you look. But your biggest point is that they are there. So ask yourself what brought them. And behind that is some motivation. But at the end of the day, remember, remember the assumptions. It's not your problem. So there you go. I hope that kind of answers the question. If it doesn't, add more in and let me have um, a little bit more depth. If you've got questions that you'd like me to throw in at the end of these episodes, please let me know. Thanks for listening. This has been the Solution Focus Toolkit. My name's Michael Dawson from the Action Factory. There is always some links around here somewhere where you can subscribe to the podcast. You can go to our website, see our training. But more importantly, you can drop your email in a box somewhere and you will get PDFs which support all of the episodes and lots and lots of other really valuable information. We call them desk droppers. It's the kind of stuff you print out and drop on your manager's desk or pin on a notice board. Really, really helpful. We get a lot of great feedback. So thank you very much. Um, We're going to go deeper into the miracle question and what we do with it next week. Thanks for being there. Bye now.